Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. So, Eddie, do we have a highlight? You got one queued up? I should have. Bad producing on my part. I thought I just heard you editing it. So we didn't get the Freddie Jones band, and we didn't get the audio of him dunking and winning the dunk contest. <laughs> so we're off to a flying start here, right? Does he like ACDC? Did we find that out? I don't know. I just thought Thunderstruck would have been a nice fit. That's, well, that's fair. Well, if I was, and we could obviously ask Fred Jones about this now, but if I was correct in re-watching the highlight package that is still on YouTube from TNT, his ending dunk was not a dunk, right? It, like fell off his hands and went in the backboard and fell in and they gave him I think well, like 36. Him. We'll ask him now because Fred Jones who was drafted 14th in the 2002 NBA draft by the Pacers and then won the 2004 dunk contest back in town for All-Star Weekend and joins us now. Fred, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, did Jimmy sell you short? Was your last dunk really a layup? Uh, an aggressive layup. <laughs> <laughs> You have to get the air first, right? I mean, for crying out loud, right? Right, right, right. Did they, did yeah. they give an explanation, Fred, for why they wouldn't let you go again? Because you didn't really dunk the basketball. It wasn't your fault. It was just a bad pass. Right. No, it was actually a great pass. One of my <laughs> high school friends, uh, you know, did a really good job on it. It, just, uh, it was just something we never practiced before, so it slipped out of my out of my hand and yeah, I was I was upset because I thought that, I thought I lost the contest with that because I didn't get to do it again, but it, it worked out. Speaking of that, and this is what I love: if I'm not mistaken, you were one and done with the dunk contest. You won, and you're like, "I'm good, I'm good." Like that was it. Now, yeah. did they never invite you back again, or did you just say, "You know what? I got what I needed"? Oh no, they they definitely invited me back, and they was upset that I didn't come back, but. Uh, all I needed was one. I just needed to say I never lost in the NBA dunk contest. Now, I'm curious because I remember, Fred Jones, when you came back from the All-Star game and they did like a little deal at the field house where you had the trophy and we all got to interview you. Um, if, th- if that were me, like I'm not even going to say the trophy would be on my mantle. I probably would have it displayed permanently in some sort of case in my front yard so that everybody knew. <laughs> Do you know where the trophy is? Oh, I definitely know where it's at. Now, um, I had a um, I had a gym here in, in Indy uh, called Shoot 360, and I still have it. It's in Noblesville now. But I uh, when I had it on on Georgetown Road, uh, I had the trophy in my facility so the kids could see it when they Heck come yeah. in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now it's sitting on my desk where I do work at. <laughs> so, what is life like today for Fred Jones? Because I was a little surprised when I called you. Uh, to see about coming on because you know I'd seen you out and about and around town at different events and as you mentioned your gym you know recently and when I called you you said oh man I'm just now getting back into town so clearly you have moved you're no longer living in Indy right correct correct no I I moved back to some warmer weather uh, you know to on the west coast back to the west coast okay so with that when you look back Fred at Let's begin with the dunk contest before we go down memory lane here. 
in terms of those that are participating in the dunk contest this weekend, and it's such a big part of NBA All-Star Weekend, when you got that call, how long did you have to know that you were going to be in the dunk dunk contest, and, and how much preparation did you do for it? Well, the the day I got the call, I got the call from Stu Jackson, um, who was asking, you know, people to be in it. And Stu Jackson um, played at the University of Oregon, the same the same school I went to. Uh, so I knew him, and, and he was inviting me. And I said, no, I didn't want to do it. Um, and then uh, called my nephew, and he kind of talked me into it. So I called him back and said, okay, I will do it. So uh, it took my nephew pushing me to go ahead and even do it. When you got drafted here, Fred, there was, you know, I remember Isaiah Thomas loved your game coming out of Oregon because he felt you were true, a true combo guard. And he was very vocal about his support. Kind of, I, I think to some extent, Fred Jones is kind of seen as Isaiah Thomas's first draft pick, where Donnie basically said to Isaiah, like, you let me know what guy you want. And, and you were, he was a big supporter of yours. Did you have a pressure on you when you first came into the league? Um, no real pressure. Um, yes, I knew Isaiah, uh, you know, put his neck out for me, and I was appreciative of that. Um, you know, but I had a lot of vets on my team. I had, you know, Reggie Miller playing in front of me, so I didn't have any pressure. I was just there trying to get better every day and, and compete. The 180 in the dunk contest, the you know, one you did in the final round where you get a 50, did you have that saved for the final round in the days and weeks leading up to the dunk contest? Or was that just spur of the moment one you knew you had in your bag that you wanted to execute? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to do, actually. Um, and um, I, I knew I didn't need like a crazy score on the first one. So I, uh, I actually went over to Jermaine and, and asked him, you know, what do you think about this? And he was like, you can do that? And I was like, yeah, I've been doing that since high school. And he was like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. And, and so that, that's where that one came from. Yeah. Now, could you do that today? Um, on a, If I don't have to jump, you know, on a, on a five-foot hoop. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, Fred. I, I'm pretty sure you were there for this. So I'm going to ask you, and you can lie and just, and just have my back here anyway, right? Uh, we, I was in, oh, it would have been a handful of years ago, uh, Amparis put together, he and Reggie Wayne put together their basketball fundraising tournament during you know, summer celebration for Black Expo, and I was in that game, and I'm pretty sure you were in it. You might have been coaching, but I think you played also. But Jacoby Brissett was in the game. Now, first off, do you remember the Colts quarterback, Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. He, he, will you back me up on this? He shot every time he got the ball. Like he was a quarterback <laughs> in the NFL, which meant he passed a lot. But he didn't have a single pass in that game. Or, do you remember that correctly, like I do? I, I do remember that. And uh, Jacoby really thought he could play basketball. Uh, he's actually came to my facility a few times and, and brought a couple of uh, the Colts over, you know, to work out and, and to play in my facility a few times. He actually isn't a bad player. I will say he could shoot from anywhere. I'll give him that much. He just wasn't afraid to shoot from anywhere either, right? Right, right. (laughs) Uh, Fred Jones, our guest. Fred, one of the things that that most jumps out to me when I think about your career 
And yes, I, I realize the elephant in the room would be anytime you're talking to Fred Jones about the Pacers was you were unfortunately kind of in the epicenter of the video of the brawl. That's been discussed a thousand times. Your teammate Jermaine going to join us in about 20 minutes and that topic comes up. So we don't need to go there per se, but I will always remember I think one of the most special games in franchise history was that game, I think it was against Orlando, in the first game where you guys were so shorthanded after the brawl and you led the team. I think you had 35, 32 or 35. But that literally was – I've never seen that crowd as unified towards a basketball team as I saw that night for the Pacers. What's your recollection of that evening? Amazing night. Uh, you know, one of one of the best experiences I had playing basketball. Um, we, yes, we did play Orlando uh, that night. Uh, it's crazy. So at my gym, Shoot360, I was at a conference last week, and there was two NBA refs there, and one of them refed that game. And he was he brought that to my attention last week, was like, man, I can't believe, you know, the atmosphere in the arena and how that game went. Uh, we lost in overtime. I had a shot, I think, at in regulation to try to win it, uh, but we lost in overtime and got a standing ovation from the crowd, and it was it was amazing. You played for a lot of teams, you know, obviously Toronto, back in your hometown of Portland, and the New York, the Clippers, and and overseas a bit. But where do the Pacers rank for you, Fred? Oh, they were definitely my favorite. Um, you know, that was the team I played for the longest. Uh, it was a team that all of my teammates, we were, you know, all the same age. We were enjoying, you know, just everything. And we were good and competing, you know, for for a championship. So, uh, for me, it was all about being able to compete and, and, and play well. And, and that's what I did with the Pacers. Fred Jones is our guest, winner of the 2004 Slam Dunk Contest. And 20 years to the day, nearly, Fred, you're going to be involved as one of the judges alongside Dominique Wilkins and others to judge the event tomorrow night at Lucas Oil Stadium. Jalen Brown, Jaime Hawkins Jr., Mac McClung, who won it last year, Jacob Toppin are in the field. As a judge, I know this is the first time you're, you're doing this, but... Do you watch any of their stuff beforehand of either in-game or previous stuff they've done when it comes to Mac, for example? Are you going in blind without any background on them in terms of what they're capable of? And then secondly, how do you feel about the dunk contest and what it is in today's all-star facilities? Yeah. Well, uh, definitely I'm not going and and looking at their stuff. You know, uh, I'm a basketball person so I watch basketball all the time and I've seen all of them and do um you know I just want to see what they bring out uh tomorrow night you know I judge it on that I'm not going to judge them on what they've done before or or after you know just what they put out on the floor tomorrow night now lastly Fred I want to ask you about this Fred Jones our guest 20 uh, 2004 dunk contest champion uh you went to Gresham High School in Oregon correct I did not. That Gresham High School is my rival. I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm school. sorry. Uh, Sam Barlow High School is where you went, right? Yes. My correct. apologies. Correct. That's a Freudian slip there. Uh, the Bruins, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, correct? Y- yep. The okay. Bruins. Yep. So here's my question about Sam Barlow High School as I'm looking at it here. They've won state championships in band, 
speech, girls' water polo, boys' water polo, volleyball, wrestling, no basketball. What the hell happened? but basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Were you a water polo guy? (laughs) Uh, No, I was not. Uh, (laughs) Speech uh, and debate? Yeah, yeah. No, we... We had we had decent teams uh, as a sophomore. I lost in the championship game. Uh, as a junior, I lost in the uh, in the semifinals in double overtime. And uh, as a senior, uh, we had some people on my, on my team that got suspended, and we didn't get to play like the last four games. Boy, uh, boy, that was some yeah. foreshadowing, huh? Uh, by the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, girls racquetball national champions in 2006 or 2020. Hang the banner, baby, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hang, hang all of them. All right. Hey, Fred, what's your plan other than judging? You got uh, anybody you're excited to see while you're back in town in terms of your former teammates? Oh, yeah. I got to see a, quite a few of them last night uh, at the little kickoff event, but uh, yeah, I got two boys, so I got a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old that I got out here with me. So just letting them enjoy the weekend and let them enjoy All-Star Weekend. All right. Well, we appreciate the time. We'll let you go back to enjoying it. Certainly hope that your sons enjoy it as well. And always good catching up with you, man. Enjoy it and safe travels back home, all right? All right. Appreciate it. All right. Fred Jones, the dunk champion from 2004. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All-Star Weekend is upon us. There are so many cool things going on. We talked about the fact that there is a big one taking place in our building, as a matter of fact, later this afternoon with Oscar Robertson and certainly one of the greats when you talk about Pacer players. He is one of four players to have started an NBA All-Star game while representing the Indiana Pacers, one of his six All-Star performances. Jermaine O'Neal joins us on the show today. Jermaine, welcome back to Indianapolis. Good to talk to you. It's good to be back here. Hey, let's begin with this. Um, I've kind of been asking guys this about the All-Star game itself. For you, and and I realize when you're playing in it, it probably is a whirlwind, but what are just your memories of being an All-Star and being an All-Star starter for that matter? Uh, Take me through just some of your best memories of the experience of being an NBA All-Star. Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think the obviously you always remember the first one. The first one is the one that you know you've watched. You know you remember watching it on television. You know multiple times over, and you know you're considered one of the best players. You know not only in in, in the NBA but in the world. Um, so you remember the first one, um, and then it becomes kind of you know it comes routine a little bit. It's all, the honors are still great. You still feel. You know, you're still really, really happy about it. And obviously, as a starter, uh, it talks a lot about your popularity as well um, amongst only, you know, uh, the peers, but the fans and the coaches. So, you know, that meant a lot to me. The only thing I did not like is when we played right up against the All-Star break. 
um, you know, obviously back then, you know, the uh, you know the schedule was a little bit different. A lot more games coming at you a lot faster. Uh, and we didn't have these long breaks after the All-Star break either. So, you know, we'll get a game. All-Star break it starts on Friday. We'll be playing Wednesday or Thursday. And then we got to fly out the next day. And then got to fly back on that, that, you know, either that Sunday night after the game or early that Monday morning. And you're right back at it. So, uh, the transition time wasn't as good uh, when I was playing. But, obviously, you know, being considered, you know, one of the, one of the best players in the game, um, it means a lot to you every single time that you get announced. Jermaine, what do you remember most about your breakout campaign with the Pacers? Because the time you're coming off your early years in Portland and the trade itself had mixed reactions initially from Pacers fans because they're just coming off the NBA Finals and a lot of beloved faces like Rick Smith's wind up departing the team after that. And then you come in and immediately, like I remember growing up, you were one of my favorite Pacers players. A lot of Pacers fans feel that same way. What were those early years like for you in Indiana? Uh, it was it was great, you know. I think uh, you know, in all fairness, you know, the city you know had the right to feel you know it was definitely some mixed emotions coming off the you know a finals appearance that they came up you know a little short. Um, obviously, giving away you know uh, Dale Davis, who, who was you know uh, one you know one of the fans' fa- uh, favorites, you know was was a lot to digest for you know, pretty much a, a young man that you know didn't didn't get a lot of opportunity in uh, in Portland. So it was a lot of unknown. Um, but I, I felt, always felt like they were giving me an opportunity. And I think most importantly, the biggest thing that I, I remember is just Reggie, you know, having the conversation with Reggie when I first got there. And he said, look, man, he said, you know, I'm not upset. You know, you know I'm, I'm going to let you be whatever you're going to be. You know, uh, you have a lot of talent. And it's, it's called, you know, whatever you decided to be or, or become in this league, it's going to be based off the work that you put in. And that really made me feel a lot more comfortable, to be quite honest. Uh, and then, obviously, being out in the community, the community always made me feel feel right at home, um, you know. And it, it was it, it allowed me to kind of develop and, and get into my craft at the level that I needed to. Um, and being able to represent the Indiana Pacers, you know, in All Star Game, uh, meant a lot to me. Jermaine, when you look back on, as Jimmy mentioned, that trade, Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. I remember when you were with Portland, might have been your rookie year, and and being at a game, and I think I was working at Channel Six at the time, and. And seeing you on the bench, and I remember thinking, like, man, you were a high school kid, basically, you know. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I felt bad because you weren't on the floor. And then all of a sudden you get traded, and as you talked about, you were able to blossom. When you first got the news that Indiana was bringing you here, was it more a feeling of pressure because of all that went into it or more a feeling of a freedom and an opportunity? Well... Um, it definitely wasn't pressure because I was angry. Um, and I'm going to tell you why, because, you know, the first three years on the rookie scale back then, um, you know, I became a free agent and I had an opportunity, uh, to go be a starter with four of the teams, uh, in free agency. But at the time we had just came up short in the Western conference finals, uh, against, uh, San Antonio, the great, uh, corner three that Sean Elliott made, but didn't put his heel down on, uh, on out of bounds line, um, which crushed us at the time. But, uh, it was one of those scenarios where, you know, I felt like, you know, I was still young. Uh, I can go back to Portland and, you know, and still be able to contribute uh, at a high level. And, you know, what was been asked for me, and it was promised to me that I would, I would be able to play minimally 24 minutes a game. So I re-signed back with them for another four years, and then it got worse, right? And so when I got, when I got the call, and interestingly enough, I bumped into Isaiah Thomas, uh, it's my first time ever meeting him, 
at in uh, Oakland at the at the All Star game. Uh, he was coming from something, and I was going to the dunk contest. And he grabbed my arm. He said, "Hey, look, son, just keep doing what you're doing. People see you working." And as soon as he got the job, you know, him and Donnie, you know, I literally had just got to Jamaica with my wife on vacation. And I tell you guys, I took the smallest prop plane uh, getting off that island when I got the call because um, I need. I felt like I needed to get back as soon as possible. But it was an amazing call. I was ready. I was really ready for it. Um, because I had, I had got an opportunity to to practice against Rasheed Wallace, Brian Grant, Arvidi Sabonis, uh, Cliff, the late great Cliff Robinson. I mean, just so many people that I I was really you know having to sharpen my knife with and against on a day to day basis in practice. That when I got an opportunity to play in a game, it was actually a little bit easier. Now the consistency of trying to be good was harder. Um, because now it's not just about practice. you got to actually be good every single night. Um, and that was the biggest transition for me. What did Isaiah Thomas and Donnie Walsh do or mean to the maturation as a player or person of Jermaine O'Neal? It was amazing. Amazing. Um, a lot of people don't know this, though. Um, Isaiah stayed maybe three or four minutes away from me. Um and I used to spend a lot of time at his house. Just, you know, um, Mrs. Thomas cooked dinner a lot for me, and we just talked, like, night overnight overnight. And it was just, it was like a father figure, you know, um, you know, just, you know, giving his, giving his son some tutelage of what it means to be a pro, what, what it means to be a professional, what it means to be a businessman, what it means to be a father. Um, and I was, that, was, that was big for me. In particular, guys, I don't know if you guys know, I didn't meet my father until I was 30 years old, right? And, like, that was, like, a real thing for me. Um, and so to have an opportunity to have leadership uh, like I had with Isaiah and Donnie, uh, it, was pre- it was really, really amazing, guys, um, without, a, without a doubt. So then once you are playing and Isaiah's not here, how does a player battle with that? Was that tough for you? It was tough. It was tough. Um, it's actually interesting enough. Um, Isaiah was with me and the USA team and Olympic qualifiers in, in Puerto Rico um, when he got called back to um, uh, to Indy, and then uh, and then the next day he was he was let go. Uh, that was a hard pill to swallow. Um, but I will tell you this: you know, the business is the business, um, and, and in many cases, like your personal feelings towards things. Um, cannot alter your long-term goals. Um, obviously, I would like to have had him as a coach, but we got Rick Carlisle as a coach that came in and did a really good job. Um, and, you know, my, my job was to continue to go out and, 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 and be better, um, learn more, um, and try to help the team win. And so, you know, once, once your feelings, once you take your feelings out of it, um, you know, you move on and, and, and you try to you try to be the best version of yourself that you can. You know, for your, you know, for yourself, your family, your team, and your city. Pacers great Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. Jermaine, I want to turn the clocks back. February ninth, two thousand three, Phillips Arena in Atlanta, East versus West, starting lineup <laughs> for the Eastern Conference: Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, Ben Wallace, Jermaine O'Neal. Michael Jeffrey Jordan coming off the bench, at least in terms of the way that that All-Star game was set up, and it's MJ's final All-Star appearance. What do you remember about that game in 03? 
Well, a couple of things, right? Uh, the one that sticks out to me the most is the is the phantom foul, right? That they call you didn't foul Kobe. On, <laughs> it, it was like just just crazy. Like they called that, which was was just ridiculous. But you know, obviously, when you get a chance to play with um, the greatest player that's ever played the game, uh, and Michael Jordan, um, I remember him coming, and, and it's crazy. It, it was like a movie, right? He was Jordan. Michael Jordan has an aura that we we just haven't seen. Only maybe a handful of people. Um, Maybe Messi and you know, maybe another, you know, that level of athlete where you can hear him coming. Like we're in the locker room, but we can hear like the, the like it's like the, the the cameras are just clicking and you hear like the people Michael Michael and it, and and it's it's faint and then it gets louder 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 and then he walks in and it's like he's gliding across the floor, right? And it was like one of those things where wow. I'm really in here with Michael Jordan. And I remember t- telling him, I said, you know, Michael, and I still have his shoes to this very day. I said, Mike, I said, either you're going to sign those shoes or I'm going to steal them from you. And he said, well, you're not going to steal them, so I'm just going to go ahead and sign them for you. And he handed them to me. And that was like an amazing moment for me because obviously, you know, Michael is Michael. And, um, you know, he's he's just so legendary. And just to be in his, in his presence uh, meant a lot to me. And you still have them, right? Still have them, yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope, right? Uh, Jermaine O'Neal, our guest. Jermaine, let me give you, as somebody who covered your whole career here in Indiana, let me give you the the Jake Quarry-like summary, and then I want you to grade it and tell me how off-base I am, okay? I recall it was later um, in your time here when you were talking about how you ultimately wanted to have your number retired here, and I I can't remember whether, and and it was not the brawl. I, I don't know whether it was health or whatever it was, but... I was watching it and I thought to myself, this is a guy that loves Indiana. This is a guy that loves the fans of Indiana. This is a guy that loves representing the Pacers. But for right now, it feels like, and I think this has changed, but in that moment towards the end that the fans didn't necessarily appreciate your love for it in the moment at the time and that it's taken time for everyone to figure that out. Is that a fair assessment? It is, and I, and let me just say this: uh, that that's been the biggest challenge for me because I never really understood, you know, um, like the brawl itself um, was something that is is really hard to explain, and and not just the brawl itself, but everything that happened afterwards. And you know, I'm not sure if you guys watched that, that the uh, you know the uh, Netflix deal. Uh, it took me about 10 years to put it together and, and finally got, you know, was able to really do a documentary that was people's true opinion, right? Just so everybody, that's, you guys know, and everybody's listening to this, we didn't film one scene together. So when I called everybody, I said, look, whatever your truth is, say it. I said, because I want to be able to say my truth, not, not, not to, you know, take a shot at the NBA or anybody else. Or, you know, it was more just kind of how I felt. And the thing was that a lot of people didn't know, and, and I don't know if they felt like it was arrogance or anything else that was connected to it, but we went through a process 10 years after that happened. Right? We, were, we wasn't allowed to speak on it. So whatever opinion that was made or, or was, was pushed out there or whatever narrative was, was pushed out there, we had to sit on it. And in particular with me, I had to sit on it. Another thing that people didn't know, that I actually took the NBA to court and won, See, people thought that I, I that I had uh, finished my suspension. I was reinstated. 
right? Because a federal judge said I had the right to do what I, do, I did. And I say this respectfully. And this is something that, you know, obviously looking back at it, you know, and you're right, 100%. I've always wanted to finish my career in Indy to a point that I had Aaron tell him at the time who was my agent, uh, reach out to the patient and say, look, you know, even if it's a one day, I just want to finish standing up on my own two feet in the Indiana Pacers uniform, right? And, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. That's fine. End up, you know, just, just you know, walking away without even announcing that I was going to retire. Um, but I will tell you guys this. Go back to what I was saying. When you're in a position of leadership, right, and, you know, all you see is, is, is a looped, like a looped, you know, guy sliding in there and punching somebody. Well, people don't realize that the same guy that I punched was on top of Anthony Johnson in a cast. So Anthony Johnson had a cast in the suit. If you, if you go back and you look at it, and again, in this process, we had to show, you know, the NBA had to show all 28 angles and, and take that to court. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, this looks different. Right, but nobody was there to support it because nobody knew how to handle it. We're talking about something that was just it was a national televised game. Right? And when you're not allowed to speak about it, then any and everybody can, can paint a narrative about you. And that's the thing that I was always disappointed about. Like it's like, well, why are people upset with me when you know when, when true, the true value of leadership isn't just in a corporate office? isn't just on a basketball court, isn't just in your house with your family. It's when you are being attacked, right? What can you do to help your others as a captain of a team, right? What can you do when, when, there's, no, when there's no security there to help you, right? When it's just you and your teammates. I mean, you guys remember the, the police coming in and trying to pepper spray you know, when, when Reggie got in the middle. Of, it was that type of environment. But, again, when, you know, we're so – we're so in tune to what we read and what we hear that we think that in some cases that that's actually true. And, and I'm just going to tell you my job, even when I was able 10 years later was able to even, you know, have a conversation. It wasn't about that because the NBA has been great to me. The Indiana Pacers was great to me, right? Like I have nothing bad to say. I'm disappointed that it happened in general. Right. But, you know, to, to say that, you know, I had ill wills towards anything or anybody or people had ill wills towards me because of that, then, you know, that's the biggest part that I was disappointed with. Jermaine, did you feel like that the the documentary, which I thought was very well done, very well done, and, you know, Stephen Jackson, who I love, I mean, I love Stephen Jackson, and I think people, it would be hard for people to be around Stephen Jackson for more than an hour to not then go, yeah, I love that, that dude's just, like, loyal through and through. But did you feel like it accomplished – what it was that you set out to accomplish, which was to just simply lay out and display the narrative from your guy's standpoint. You know what's interesting? Um, it was – the doc really wasn't really even for to, – to, in my eyes, for me personally, right? I wanted to create something that was, you know, was – you know, everybody can use it and tell their story, right? But it was more for me, mentally and emotionally. I've held that thing in for so long, and it, it's, it, it built up so much anger. Um, I, you know, I got I to gotta give a shout-out to Netflix um, because I asked them, I said, on every rough cut, could you send it to me? And, you know, sometimes you lose you lose a battle in the, with the big boxes, right? You, you lose it. And they sent it to me every time, and I must have watched it maybe 11 or 12 times before it came out. And I tell you, fellas, I cried every single time. And every single time that I watched that thing, uh, it brought up some, another memory, right? And I probably watched it a total of 19, 20 times total. And every single time it was emotional, 
because it was so much lost in that process. And people think about that, that scenario as a fight. Right? I'm a parent, too. I'm a community leader. Right. And perception and to this very moment. Right. You know, I do a lot of stuff in Dallas right now. You know, we've had an amazing run with, you know, with some amazing players that now are in the NBA. Um, but, you know, kids still ask me about that. Right? And, and, and many of them weren't even born when it happened. So, that, so it's still a thing. Right. And so I, I just think from that perspective, like like doing that doc allowed me to to excel a little bit and take it, you know, and, and take it, you know, you know, put myself in a, in a position where now I can just go on with my life and, and not have to worry about it. You know, when I hear about it now, I smile a little bit, you know, when somebody brings it up, I said, look, you know, unfortunate, you know, don't like to talk much about it, but you know, it happened. And so, and then, or I just say, Hey, look, go check it out on Netflix. Right. Where, you know, so they can have something to base their opinion off of. Are you finally free of it? I am free. I am free. Um, you know, um, I'm always, you know, I have a three one seven number. You know, I've, I've touched many other cities since I've, I've been, I've been from there. But um, you know, I can go anywhere in the world and be recognized, and I'm gonna be recognized as a pacer. You know, many people, many people don't even know that the, that, the, that the Trailblazers drafted me. People think the, the Pacers drafted me, right? Because you know, just so they've they've given me an opportunity, and the Simons family has given me an opportunity to live a life that I could ever dreamed about. The NBA has given me an opportunity to live a life and and and, and live a dream that many don't get to do. And I can always go back and say, you know what? I lived the dream uh, at its fullest. I've learned a lot, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent of it. Um, and now I can give that information back to, you know, Jermaine Jr. now, um, who is inspiring to be, you know, a basketball player, or the same information to my daughter, you know, who's now a pro volleyball player um, and hopefully getting ready for the Olympics. And any other person, any other kid or family that's in the community or what it takes to be successful and the pitfalls of success. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Pacers great. Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. Jermaine, I know there's mutual love from the city of Indianapolis and from Pacers fans for your career to the point that whenever you have a player like yourself where they end up away from the franchise and they have different spots in their career, you want them to win a ring. I was one of those people. I know a lot of Pacers people are the same way. And you're at Golden State effectively if you just look at your career bio a year too early. And I read a piece the other day that I was not aware of at the time, but it came out in 2016 that you did with Sports Illustrated. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation today, you did not meet your real father until you were 30. How much, and this piece reveals it, but for those that don't know, how much did family, and you mentioned Jermaine Jr. already, how much did family play a role in deciding, you know, I could stick around Golden State or I could make one more push at a title, but it's time to spend time with family. And how tough was that decision? Uh, family was was number was number one um, on that decision. Uh, I, you know, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, when Golden State called me back, obviously Bob Myers used to represent me uh, when he was on the agent side. Uh, with he worked on the R and Tellum, 
Um, so, you know, it was, I had a great one year with them and had an opportunity to bring some leadership to the table. You know, I think Bob always speaks about the, he still, he still speaks about it on television, crazy enough, but, um, it was hard for me because I, the year before I was with Phoenix, I was with Phoenix cause I just got a treatment, um, uh, orthokine treatment from Germany that, uh, the late great Kobe Bryant made famous. Um, he's actually, I actually went over there with him to get it and I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, and so I, I needed to go to a situation where, um, the expectation wasn't high. Um, so Phoenix was young. I told my wife and kids, Hey, look, just, let's, we're going to, we're going to put our roots into Dallas. You guys go ahead and stay there. And that was hard. That was the first time that I hadn't stayed with my family. And then I started to see a little bit of change with my son. Uh, and then my daughter was like, Hey, like, you know, dad, you know, it's time, right? I, I want you at my games. And then obviously she ended up having the heart situation. So, um, I, you know, I probably could have played physically, probably could have played 20 years, like two more years. Um, but I just emotionally didn't have anything left because, you know, the very thing that has supported me in, in all of my down years. And even it, to be honest, you know, from my, um, ability to, uh, feel accepted, you know, for my father, my wife and my kids, uh, fill that void. Right. And, um, yeah, I just felt like it was time to give back because they had sacrificed so much of their, or what they wanted and what they needed, uh, for me to play 18 years. Um, and you have to remember I met my wife at 17. Um, so she went through an entire process of, of everything, uh, of the, of the growth of, uh, Jermaine O'Neal, um, and learning how to be everything that I needed to be. Um, so it just made more sense for me to retire. They tried to get me to come back to the two. They wanted, I'm going to be honest, tears on my tears came down my eyes. When I watched the celebration of the winning the first year. And then they asked me again to come back. And I was like, well, guys, I just, I literally tried to get back in shape and I physically, I got going, but mentally it was just, it was over. How much did meeting your dad when you did and, and seeing kind of a crossroads moment with your career and your family that late in life, how much did that impact your decision? A lot. You know, um, you know, I raised my kids how I wanted my dad to raise me. Now, I've, you know, for so long, I've dealt with abandonment issues. And that's why, you know, that's why the brawl has such an impact on me, right? Because you work so hard to be in a position um, of leadership, be in a position of, you know, people loving you and, and, and they appreciating everything that you do. Um, and that's why I was so big in the communities when I was there. Um, but then you, you meet your dad at 30 and you're 13 years into the league and, you know, um, you know, quick, long story short, my, my, my grandmother and my mother tricked me into going because I had, I did have a certain anger towards him. And then, you know, I walked up to him, brought my kids, my grandma said, bring, bring, bring my, my grandbabies. And I brought my daughter, my son. And it was like the best moment for me because, you know, I just told him I was, I was able to tell him, Hey, look, you know, look at these kids. I raised them exactly. how I wanted you to raise me. And that took a lot of weight off my shoulders because I'd never had a conversation with them before. Right. And so having that conversation was amazing. Um, but a lot of, a lot of things went unanswered because he ended up dying like 13 months later. Right. And so I never really had, you know, you know, I had to learn everything about me as a man, uh, father, husband, whatever you want to call it, is is in the, I, I'm learning on the fly. You know, I've never had a moment where I can 
call my dad and say, look, you know, I need help or, you know, what's your thoughts or this or that. It is literally me learning on the fly. And I've been truly blessed to have some amazing people. Um, my high school coach, who you guys probably uh, know of, he, he's passed over the last couple of years, but he was amazing to the growth. Uh, people like Isaiah, you know, um, teammates, you know, I've had a lot of mix uh, of people to help try to, you know, patch up, you know, that emotional void in my life. Well, how important was it for you, Jermaine, with that 13-month period between when you meet your father and then you lose your father, but to be able to have him pass with you having the opportunity to put away the anger, if you will, or work through it and finally get kind of a closure with an opening, if that makes sense, of the relationship? You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I had closure. Um, I think I had enough saying that was enough to 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 have me view things differently um a little bit differently you know interesting enough you were know, you able to forgive scenario, him i guess did you have a forgiveness oh for sure i have i had a forgiveness um it, we we actually end up having a little disconnect um once you know um once i left from there you know i was pretty excited <clears throat> excuse me i was pretty excited about you know the opportunity of him being a friend, you know. Because yeah, at that point, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you know, I know if the true, me- the true meaning of being a dad is right. I, I, that I know. Um, so it was more about creating that friendship. And then he wrote me a letter, um, and it was more just without getting too deep into it. It was more about me doing things for him, and that that was the crushing blow. Um, because then at that point, it was never like you know. Again, as a dad, like I know what it means to make you know spelling bees and. You know, being there for your kids and, you know, teach them how to, you know, ride bikes and, and just being there mentally and emotionally for them and have that situation happen. It was it was pretty rough. And I was I was upset uh, about that. And then, you know, we didn't have any more conversations. I ended up getting a call from my sister saying that he was uh, he was killed in a car accident. So, um, you know, it's the closure wouldn't be I, I wouldn't call it closure. Um I, I, it was a it was it was a healing moment for me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. All-Star Weekend is here. He was a six-time All-Star and. Jermaine, I think the thing, and I want you to, to kind of, I guess, in to encapsulate it all, touch on this um, in conclusion. Just in listening to you talk and knowing your story, I covered your the majority of your career. There are a lot of things here that I didn't know. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's pretty darn cool to be a six-time All-Star and to start an All-Star game and to come back to the city where you played and were an All-Star. But it all seems to almost be secondary to the game that you were striving on a regular basis to be the best at, and that is simply the one away from the court of basketball. And just in the people around you, in the things and the challenges and the timeouts that were placed before you at no choice of yours. Have you ever been able to sit back and really truly grasp all of that? Um, I think I have in spurts, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't know... You know, I continue to search for uh, God's calling for me and his will. And a lot of it has been with kids. 
Um, you know, we have a lot of deficiencies in our in our homes, whether you you know suburban America, middle middle class America, or inner city America, right? It's just it's just deficiencies. And you know, the great game of basketball was the healing was a healing factor, and it gave me an opportunity to continue to educate myself in areas that just that I wasn't able to do it in you know growing up, right? And as I continue to learn, you know, about these things, um, you know, obviously challenges happen. Um, you know, you go through your know, your moments, um, but you continue to push forward. And I would always say to people, it's like, you know, when you look at people, you know, you never know what they're going through, right? And, you know, as a basketball player, you know, the things that, you know, you think matters to you the most, you think as when you watch a basketball player, that basketball matters to you the most. But when you have deficiencies emotionally, you know, um, you, you, that, you know, you find that you're, that your family and, and the people that you love the most matters the most, right? And those that that's you know when things happen like the ball or injuries or whatever it is, you know you feel like you have to rely on you know that and and, and on people. And I will say this, guys, um, you know, being able to come back, I have not been to an All Star game uh, since I played in it. And to be quite honest. Um, I hadn't, I have not loved basketball because I felt like, um, to the point, you know, going through that situation, you know, for so many years, you know, the brawl situation, it was like the equivalence of being married and watching your wife do you wrong in front of you, but you can't really react to anything. Right. And, and that's just the core truth. Right. And, you know, so I stayed away from it. Right. I wouldn't do television. I wouldn't do anything. I just stayed away from it and just wanted to put my head down. But when I heard it was coming to Indy, um, I said, "Look, let me pick, let me pick my head up, out, you know, from where I'm where I'm at, and you know, let's go enjoy it." You know, I think Indy, Indy deserves you know these moments. Um, it's a lot of hard hat, good people, uh, very supportive fans. You know, uh, sports town, and so to be able to get it, I love. I had to come and be a part of it. Jermaine O'Neal, I think. Listen, you you were a great player here, and I think that there were probably misconceptions about you, and I think that we as a city and as a fan base and a media have worked through those same things in better understanding you, and I think you're a damn good representation for this city and for this franchise, and uh, I think a lot of people should be and will be very proud to not only have you back in Indianapolis, but uh, to be able to also allow you to kind of get back to embrace the game that embraced you for a long time as well. We appreciate certainly the time today. Thank you. I really appreciate that.